Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. This is the California Report. Good morning. I'm Lily Jamali. California's COVID-19 surge has crested. Both positive case numbers and hospitalizations are declining. And Dr. Mark Galley is making a promising prediction about the state's hospitalization numbers. He's the secretary of the California Health and Human Services Department. We predict that fewer than half the people we have in hospitals today will be in hospitals 30 days from now across the state. Though he warned that could change quickly if people let down their guard. Galley urged residents to avoid Super Bowl gatherings this weekend. The virus is still widespread. Nearly all of California's counties are in the most restricted status for reopening, and the death toll continues to be at an all-time high. About 540 people are dying in California daily. In another sign that the COVID-19 crunch is easing in our hospitals, the state public health department says nurse staffing ratios will begin to return to normal. KPCC's Jackie Fortier reports. As the pandemic swept through Southern California, COVID-19 patients flooded emergency rooms in L.A. Hospitals were increasingly desperate to find enough staff to care for them. So the state allowed hospitals to apply for waivers, allowing nurses to take care of more patients at once than they normally would. Now, as the number of people hospitalized has decreased, the state says hospitals must make an effort to return to pre-pandemic staffing ratios. All approved staffing waivers will expire next week unless there's an unprecedented circumstance. It's unclear how many hospitals in L.A. will seek to continue their staffing waivers. There are still more than 5,000 people hospitalized with COVID-19 in L.A., which is several times higher than the number before this latest surge. For The California Report, I'm Jackie Fortier in Los Angeles. Dealing with COVID skeptics in your family is never easy. Take it from L.A. Times columnist Gustavo Arellano, who's been working at it with his dad this past year, even convincing him to get the vaccine. Gustavo's here to talk about it. Welcome. Gracias for having me. Always good to have you here. So I think we have to start by just laying out the fact that your father, um, I think it's fair to say, is a COVID denier, or at least he was. So how did he go? How do you go from <laughs> that to getting the vaccine? Yeah, that's putting it very nicely. But yeah, my dad, he, he had alternate uh, realities. 
He didn't think COVID was real. He think it was exaggerated. He thought it was a government conspiracy. He thought we all had it, so why even bother wearing masks? Mm-hmm. And then it from once the vaccine came along, uh, I don't want the vaccine because I saw on the news that um, you'll die because of it. Mm-hmm. And it went on and on until finally my sister said, screw it, we're just going to book an appointment for him. Amazingly, she did it within half an hour and it was available the next day. And so I, as the oldest and the uh, the male in the family, I uh, volunteered to take him. So you've talked about his thoughts on masks and other really important things that help mitigate the virus and its spread. Um, so why is a vaccine super important for somebody like that? <laughs> to make sure they get it. Because he's older than 65 and that's the most vulnerable population for COVID-19 and whatever we, I mean, we all have to get the vaccine at some point to get over this, but we got to start with, uh, you know, the Los Viejitos, the old folks, because they're the most vulnerable ones to it. That's why. And my dad did not see it because again, he, I mean, especially he's at the point in his life where like, well, if God wants to take me now, then God can take me. But finally, I think what finally settled into him to take it was like, it's not just about you, dad. It's about us. It's about your family family, your, your four children, uh, your grandson, and more importantly, his 98-year-old uh, mom, my grandma, mi abuelita, who uh, we haven't been able to hug her in over a year because of COVID, at least my dad. So my dad was a total skeptic, but because the rest of the family shamed him into not uh, breaking coronavirus protocol, he wasn't a complete covid or as I said in my column, a pandejo, a, a portmanteau <laughs> of a word you're not supposed to say, and a pandemic. Yeah, I mean, I feel like for somebody who isn't going to follow the rules on masking and other things like that, getting the vaccine into someone um, in that category is probably extra, extra important right now. Um, Let's talk about how you and your dad have managed to get along this past year. Um, It must be really frustrating to hear him say some of the things that he said. How have you managed not to um, just get really mad and, you know, (laughs) also try to offer counsel because you obviously really care about your dad? Yeah, well, of course. Look, he he loves his children. He's just, you know, he's a rural Mexican. Uh, not, Not to stereotype rural folks, but they tend to have more skepticism of anything that's official. So just with my dad, he'd say his stuff. We'd say, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Thankfully, because I am, I do have a job in the media, I would tell him, look, I'm the one that's out there on the field. I know what's going on. And I also don't believe, I, I, would, I would never shun him. I would never shun him. When it comes to family, if you truly love them, then you just have to grin and bear it. But you have to be persistent in telling them you are wrong. Mm-hmm. You need to get over this. Coronavirus is real. Great advice. You are a good son, my friend. Oh, thank you. Gustavo Arellano, thank you so much. It's great to have you back on the show. Gracias. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night. 
knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. President Joe Biden signed several executive orders on immigration Tuesday, including one that creates a task force to reunify migrant families separated by the Trump administration. KQED's Michelle Wiley reports. Biden said he, quote, condemns the human tragedy of taking children from their parents at the border and put the force of his government behind reuniting them and undoing some of the harm they suffered. More than 5,000 children were separated from their parents as a result of the Trump administration's immigration policies, and more than 600 parents are still unaccounted for. Kathleen Karen is the director of Justice in Motion, a nonprofit that's been tracking down parents in Central America. She emphasized how important it is that the families are consulted in the reunification process. They need to be at the center of this so the families aren't unintentionally traumatized, hurt again. Advocates say another way to address the harm is by providing families a way to live in the U.S. Bill Hang is a professor of law and migration at the University of San Francisco. There are visas in our law already, for example, victims of crime, victims of domestic violence that get visas. Well, why not a visa for somebody who's been victimized by the United States government? The task force will be led by the newly confirmed head of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas. Biden also signed orders aimed at addressing the underlying causes of migration and promoting immigrant integration and citizenship. For The California Report, I'm Michelle Wiley. Another recent executive order signed by the president directs the Justice Department to stop contracting with private prisons. For more on how that might impact detention facilities in California, here's KVCR's Benjamin Perper. Biden's executive order directs the Department of Justice not to renew its contracts with privately operated prisons, but that doesn't cover private immigration detention facilities like Adelanto. In fact, the company that operates the facility, GeoGroup, entered into a contract with the federal government in late 2019 that could keep Adelanto open until 2034. Ava Bitran is with the ACLU of Southern California. She says she hopes the Biden administration will treat private immigration detention centers the same way it now treats private prisons. We just really hope that the Biden administration sees that the same equities that lead them to understand why private prisons are harmful in the criminal context apply with equal force in the immigration context. And indeed that incarceration in general, right, not just private incarceration, is always for somebody's profit. ACLU SoCal has sued ICE over concerns about detainees contracting the coronavirus in the Adelanto facility which, according to ICE's website, has seen 270 positive cases as of January 31st. For the California Report, I'm Benjamin Perper in San Bernardino. A new poll shows just over half of Californians approve of the job Governor Gavin Newsom is doing. KQED's Katie Orr reports these findings are better for Newsom than another recent poll. The Public Policy Institute of California finds 54% of Californians approve of how Newsom is doing his job. That's higher than a recent Berkeley IGS poll that placed his approval at 46%. PPIC President Mark Baldessari says he was surprised to see Newsom's approval so high in his poll. I've heard so much negative commentary about Gavin Newsom over the last several weeks that it was hard to imagine that his approval ratings would be above a majority. 
Baldessari says he thinks it's too soon to ask about a possible recall of Newsom before it's even qualified for the ballot. For the California Report, I'm Katie Orr in Sacramento. And we have a correction on a related story that we reported on our show yesterday. We incorrectly reported the proportion of voters surveyed in a recent Berkeley IGS poll who said that they would support removing Governor Newsom from office in the event of a recall. 36% of voters support removing him, 45% support retaining him. We flipped those numbers yesterday and we regret the error. As we approach the 50th anniversary of the federal Clean Water Act, Hollister Assemblyman Robert Rivas says 95% of the state's waterways are polluted or impaired. He's authored legislation that would reallocate money to start cleaning them up. So that our most polluted regions, our most polluted communities don't have to keep waiting at the back of the line for funding. The bill would also increase enforcement against water polluters. California's outgoing Attorney General Javier Becerra has filed a brief with a federal appeals court arguing that the federal government should be allowed to enforce its robocall ban for the years 2015 to 2020. Rachel Myro explains from KQED's Silicon Valley News Desk. You might be surprised to learn the Telephone Consumer Protection Act of 1991 made most unsolicited robocalls illegal. Remember the do not call list? Surprised because so many years later, we're still collectively fending off tens of billions of robocalls every year. It's outrageous. Honestly, I almost didn't pick up when Roger Entner of Recon Analytics called, even though I contacted him first. But then he gets robocalls, too. In this case, I'm for massive and disproportionate fines, right? Federal regulators at the FCC and FTC are supposed to enforce federal laws, but there's been a legal tangle tying up the TCPA after 2015, when Congress exempted robocalls about government-backed debt. You know, things like student loans. The U.S. Supreme Court struck down that amendment last year, but not the TCPA. The TCPA overall is valid. Which is where Attorney General Becerra and more than 30 state attorneys general come in. They want the Sixth Circuit Appeals Court to reverse a lower court decision in 2019 that put TCPA enforcement on hold for the years 2015 through 2020. Otherwise, as Becerra's statement says, robocallers get a five-year hall pass. Again, here's Entner. It's setting the tone. It's keeping up the pressure. You have the best results when both states and the federal government are working together to solve this issue that everybody hates. Oh, sorry, I may have to get that. For The California Report, I'm Rachel Myro. And that is The California Report for this Wednesday, February 3rd. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Lily Jamali. Thanks so much for listening. Support for the California Report comes from Water Heaters Only, specializing in the repair and replacement of water heaters since 1968. Licensed and insured, open 24 hours a day every day. Learn more at waterheatersonly.com. Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute, working to advance the frontiers of ocean research, sharing the connection between life on land and life at sea with everyone everywhere. And Stanford Medicine, protecting your health and providing dependable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits. 
stanfordhealthcare.org slash adaptingcare. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures. Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast.